Welcome to the Situation Update for Wednesday, July 13th, 2022. Mike Adams here. We've got some very serious news today about nuclear conflict with Russia. We've had a statement issued from Moscow that is, uh, in, in essence, warning that the USA and NATO are escalating this to a nuclear conflict. And we've got a statement also from Henry Kissinger on Fox News now saying what I told you two, what, two months ago. Two, two or three months ago, that the the full war, the counterattack from the West is coming in August. So that's uh, that's a globalist. Henry Kissinger now confirming uh, what you learned here a couple of months ago. Fascinating, right? No, I don't have any like secret phone line with Henry Kissinger. <laughs> I wish I did, because he is one of the globalists uh, shaping these things, of course. And then on top of that, we have a public service announcement from New York City that was actually out two days ago, uh, telling people what to do in case of a nuclear bomb. If the city of New York gets hit with a nuke, there are specific instructions for you. There are three of them. We're going to go over that. And these instructions are basically suicide checklists. It's, uh, it's, it's got nothing to do with surviving a nuclear attack or anything. It's, it's unbelievable. It's kind of like New York City is telling its own residents, uh, prepare to die. Uh, while the Biden regime is cranking up war with Russia. And, you know, it, the people in New York City voted for Biden. I mean, most of them did. Very liberal city, right? And they voted for Biden. Biden's going to push us in a nuclear war that's going to get New York City nuked. Or at least that's the risk that is being presented by this city itself in this public service announcement that we'll we'll take a look at more closely. So in addition to all that, we've got a couple other things we'll cover. All trains in America could stop running on July 18th. That's just a few days away. Uh, we've got the founders of the Three Arrows Capital Crypto Hedge Fund have now fled and cannot be found as their multi-billion dollar crypto fund is collapsing. And then we've also got now July 22 is being called Doomsday for Europe. Because that's the day that Russia either does or does not turn the natural gas back on in the Nord Stream 1 pipeline. If they don't, then it's very bad for Europe, which we talked about yesterday. So we're going to get to all that, a little focus on the nuclear war scenario, because that's becoming very real and kind of a, a little frightening, actually. Uh, there could be all kinds of chaos and lawlessness, of course, following that. So let's start out with about a one-minute clip or, or less from my new video. I finally posted it as promised. It's the prep with Mike folding rifle review. It's a gear review of folding rifles and folding pistols. This is available on brighton.com on my channel. If you want to watch the whole thing, it's about 22 minutes in length. And I go through uh, all the best options of folding rifles and pistols that I know of. And some also extending arm braces and extending uh, stocks and things like that. Uh, let me play for you a little under a minute from that video so you can just get a flavor of what that is, and then you can watch the whole thing on my channel at brighttown.com. Here we go. All right, and then finally, here we go. Shieldarms.com makes this, and I think this is the best option. And here's why. Number one, it folds out just like that. You don't have to press levers. You don't have to manipulate much of anything. It's very fast. Again, you can be in the folded position. Let's say there's a mad shooter going at it in a school or a grocery store or something. You can you know, pick up your firearm, fold it, and you know, you're ready to rock. You're good to go. The other thing that's fascinating about this is that uh, aside from this patented lower receiver, all the other parts are standard AR-15 parts, including what's in the buffer tube here. Uh, and every, everything is standard, although they've jazzed it up a little bit. They have an ambidextrous safety, as you can see, and they also have an ambi charging handle right here. All right, hope you enjoyed that. Uh, the Shield Arms folding AR-15 pistol, pretty nice setup, available, affordable. Uh, it's, the, the trigger is amazing on that pistol, too. So if, if you're looking for something that is, I think, good for self-defense, mobile, portable, and also not overly heavy and not overly expensive, this is a great option. Uh, the website for that is shieldarms.com. Uh, they are not, uh, they're not a paying sponsor, but they did provide me with a rifle for this uh, purpose of checking it out, playing with it, and uh, reviewing it if I liked it. So that's, that's my full disclosure of whatever relationship 
with Shield Arms. I, I just think they're a great company. They're out of Montana, I believe. And, uh, you know, American Ingenuity, they do a good job. And with what may be coming, which is what we're going to talk about today, it's a good idea to be able to defend yourself because things are going to get, you know, probably pretty dicey. All right. Remember yesterday I showed you some of my corn photos from, what, North Texas and Oklahoma? I took those photos from a gas station where I had stopped to uh, get some gas, and uh, I think I recorded the podcast right there, too, come to think of it, uh, in inside my vehicle, just recorded it. But the corn is not doing well, and there's a, an article on agweb.com. Here it is. Half the U.S. corn crop was planted in two weeks. Now the 10-day forecast, that's the 10-day weather forecast, shows signs of trouble. And here it is. The core of the Corn Belt, which is, you know, most of the Midwest, is forecast to see above normal temperatures and below normal rain next week, and it could hit as the crop is in prime pollination. So we had extreme heat in June that blanketed the Mid-South and South. This caused some of the corn crop to mature quickly, but then the heat did not disappear. And USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey has been watching the ridge of high pressure since June to see what's happening. He says, as you remember, 50% of the U.S. corn was planted in a two-week period in May, and almost two-thirds of the corn was planted in a three-week period. So a lot of that corn went in all at once, especially in the Midwest. All right, so now you have more risk because there's not much diversity in terms of uh, when it was planted. So... Rippy says the timing and placement of the high-pressure ridge through mid and late July will have a big impact on corn production, as that's when the corn planted in the two-week period will be moving through reproduction. So in other words, these above-average hot temperatures and below-average rainfall are going to cause the corn to be sharply reduced, you know, in its production. So the area considered, quote, abnormally dry or above now sits at 83% of the corn planting region of the United States. And uh, D1, or what's called moderate drought, grew to 58% of the region. Uh, the most recent U.S. crop progress report shows corn conditions held steady this week. 64% of the crop is still rated good to excellent, but... Uh, 19% isn't excellent, but even drought-plagued North Carolina shows signs of stress. USDA has rated 21% of the state's crop as very poor. And what I told you, what I saw with my own eyes through Texas and Oklahoma and Kansas was uh, a lot of bad, just failed crops. I mean, not totally failed, but very much underperforming. Now, keep in mind during all this that Russia is having a bumper corn crop. So... Frankly, Ukraine can produce a lot of corn, and Russia is producing corn. And I don't think that that's GMO corn like we have in the United States, by the way. Russia does not like GMOs. Russia does not like LGBTs, <laughs> you know, speaking of acronyms. And they don't like groomers. This is very interesting. A lot of the evils of the West, the GMOs and child grooming pedophilia and so on, is not allowed in Russia or is uh, strongly discouraged, let's put it that way. So the corn crop is getting hit. The rice crops are getting hammered, also globally, by the way. There's been a lot of major news on that in the last few days. I haven't really covered it enough, but trust me, rice is not looking good either. There are drought conditions or flood conditions all over the world right now, and then there's the economic conditions in places like Sri Lanka, where they can't produce any crops, or I mean, they can grow them. They just can't transport them off the farms because there's no fuel. So it doesn't matter if you can grow it. If you can't take it to market, it doesn't count unless you just everybody show up at the farm and have some corn, you know, but that's not the way the world works. So now moving on to the Russia situation, Henry Kissinger on Fox News said that we should expect a direct conflict with Russia by mid-August. As I mentioned earlier, that's when I have uh, predicted that there would be a counterattack by the USA and NATO against Russia. It's very clear that the Biden regime and NATO forces are deliberately marching us into World War III. It's also my opinion that 
Putin, the president of Russia, did not want to get into World War III, that he is being reluctantly dragged into this. And right now he's trying to tell the West, hey, back off unless you want to take this thing nuclear. That's essentially what is being said right now. And there are warning signs all over the place that the West is not heeding. So, for example, let's take this announcement from yesterday from TASS, the Russian news agency. And here's the title if you want to look it up. U.S., comma, allies teetering on brink of military confrontation with Moscow, says diplomat. This is from Maria Zakharova. Also slammed Japan's attempts to paint Russia as a country that made nuclear threats. So let me just read you a little bit from this. The United States and its allies are teetering on the brink of an open military conflict with Moscow, which would be fraught with nuclear tensions, said Russian Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Maria Zakharova. She said that yesterday. Quote, after provoking an escalation of the Ukrainian crisis and unleashing a violent hybrid confrontation with Russia, Washington and its allies are dangerously teetering on the brink of an open military confrontation with our country, which means a direct armed conflict between nuclear powers. Got that? Quote, a direct armed conflict between nuclear powers. Clearly, such a confrontation would be fraught with nuclear escalation, the statement reads. This is, this is Russia saying, I mean, how much more clearly can they say it? They say clearly this would be fraught with nuclear escalation. They are saying this thing will go nuclear if the West doesn't back off. There's, it's just right out in the open now. And Zakharova also slammed Japan's attempts to paint Russia as a country that made nuclear threats. You know, they're not, see, from Russia's point of view, they're not threatening overtly or aggressively to nuke the West. They're saying the West wants to go to war with us, and if that war happens, it will probably go nuclear because of the escalation. But it's not like Russia is running around saying, oh, we're going to nuke, you know, New York City. We're going to nuke Washington. No, that's like North Korea. You know, Kim Jong-un likes to do that kind of thing. But that's not what Putin's doing. What Russia is engaged in is deterrence diplomacy. Deterrence. But here's the linchpin in all of this. Deterrence in the geopolitical context requires that both countries are run by rational, intelligent, sane people who don't want their populations to die. Okay, So even the whole MAD, mutually assured destruction, that whole game theory, it was predicated on the assumption that the leaders of nations do not want their people to die and do not want their nations destroyed. Well, is that true today in America? No. Joe Biden, who's not in charge, he's being run by Barack Obama and others, they want America destroyed. They have always wanted America to be destroyed. Barack Obama was raised and indoctrinated and groomed for this role. And yes, his wife is was a biological man. So his his husband Michael, right? And that's that's not even a secret anymore. But the point is Barack Obama has been trying to bring down America ever since he was elected and even before. And he's running Joe Biden. And this is their tactic is to push us into a Russian nuclear retaliation against America. And in doing so, bring down America, destroy America and achieve this great success for globalism and communism. That's where this is going. That's what's behind this. And if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that because we've covered this before. But Russia sees this, too. Russia is trying to engage in deterrence uh, geopolitics. But the West isn't interested in deterrence because the West wants a nuclear exchange. The West is run by anti-American lunatics that want America destroyed. So deterrence is not going to work. Zakharova talks about this. She says, quote, it is unacceptable to try to distort the logic of deterrence which is what Russia's official statements on nuclear issues are based on. And she's saying it's unacceptable to try to distort them for propaganda reasons, as well as to depict us as a country threatening the use of nuclear weapons. So she's saying that the Japanese prime minister's Fumio Kishida's remarks were uh, perplexing. The, the, The focus and tone are puzzling. In order to justify the move to choose Hiroshima, 
as the host city of a G7 summit, a remark was made there that there was no better alternative to the city in a situation where, quote, Russia's use of nuclear weapons and nuclear threats are becoming a reality. But it's not, again, it's not Russia initiating the nuclear threats. It's the West sending weapons. It's the West funding Ukraine's defense against Russia, but also engaging in, you know, U.S. military personnel engage in training and, and um, satellites and surveillance and intelligence and so on. You know, we saw, you saw the stories. The CIA has been running this thing in the Ukraine. That's New York Times. So the West has been fighting this war actually with Ukraine as a proxy nation and Ukrainian soldiers as proxy, you know, frontline soldiers that, that are whose lives are not really valued by the political leaders, are they? And so it's really the United States behind this. And also it was Boris Johnson um, from the UK saying, you know, keep fighting, keep fighting to the last Ukrainian man and maybe woman the way this thing is going. So Russia sees that. And now apparently the HIMARS system that has been sent over to Ukraine, I think there were four systems that had arrived. Russia said they destroyed two of them. One of them achieved a successful strike against Russia. I don't know what they struck, some kind of military base or command center. I think killed uh, seven Russian soldiers and uh, wounded 40 or something like that. And this is showing that U.S. weapon systems are in fact, uh, causing casualties among the Russian military. And so Russia sees the United States as a significant player in this escalation. And Russia is preparing for what they're going to have to do as the United States and NATO continue to escalate their involvement in this conflict. And so remember, I, I said before, August is what it looks like for the counterattack by the West. What is that counterattack going to look like? And where does it go from, from there? That's what we're going to focus on here. The counterattack, remember, the U.S. has been training all kinds of troops. Those troops are coalescing in Poland. And the U.S. has been training Ukrainian military fighters, you know, uh, pilots, to run the F-16s. And they're gathering up hardware for that, you know, surplus jets and so on. The U.S. has been training Ukrainian troops on artillery systems and uh, a whole lot more, and gathering up drones and all kinds of things and staging uh, fuel depots and ammunition depots and you name it. So there's a massive buildup taking place in Western Europe, preparing for a counter-assault against Russia. What the West is going to do, in my estimation, is they're going to try to establish air superiority. Because this is what has always worked for the West in the Gulf region, you know, Desert Storm and all that. It's always been massive air superiority types of attacks. First, take out the enemy's anti-aircraft defense systems, use uh, systems of uh, electronic warfare and other means, sometimes sabotage and so on, in order to destroy the enemy's anti-aircraft uh, systems. And then once the U.S. establishes air superiority, then roll in the ground crews with the Abrams tanks, and the ground personnel and the artillery, you know, all the usual kind of ground operations. This has worked for the United States in most cases. Oh, and usually they'll have some ships rolling in, you know, to fire some long-range uh, ship artillery, you know, naval bombardment and aircraft carriers running sorties and so on. Okay, so that's the way the West runs wars kind of in a nutshell. Here's the problem. The United States has never gone up against Russia's anti-aircraft defense systems, the SA-400s and whatever all the other systems are. They're very advanced and they're very effective. And Russia has them strategically deployed. And this is not Desert Storm because Russia is not, you know, Iraq and Ukraine is not Kuwait. Okay, this is not going to work. It's not going to work because Russia has all of these technological advantages. Russia's hypersonic missiles actually work, for example, whereas the United States, they just tried another test of their hypersonic missile technology, and it failed miserably again. That's the second major failure that's been made public in the last uh, couple of months. So the U.S. can't get hypersonic missiles to work. Russia's been using them. One of them, I think, is named the, the dagger, or at least whatever the Russian word for that is. I think that's what it's called. And they've, I've seen video of them screaming across the sky 
at, I don't know what speed, they Mach 10 plus or something. And then Russia also has the Sarmat 2 missile system, the ICBM, that is in the process of being deployed. And on top of that, as we covered previously, Russia's got the Iskander missiles and the, uh, what is it called, the SU-24s or the RU-24s, the YARS systems, Y-A-R-S. We covered that previously. Russia can reach basically every target in the northern hemisphere with ICBMs and hyperglide vehicles and all kinds of evasive maneuvers and so on. So, yes, Russia can retaliate effectively with nuclear weapons. So the U.S. knows this. The U.S. and NATO forces are going to push Russia. This is their goal. They're going to push Russia into a position where Russia has no alternative but to use nuclear weapons and to strike decisively with overwhelming superiority and force against its enemy. See, Russia is fighting, in its view, for its very existence. This war is an existential threat to the very future of Russia, whereas it is not perceived as an existential threat to the existence of the United States. So the U.S. thinks, oh, these bombs are going to fall over there. But the U.S. isn't really thinking about the fact that Russia can nuke New York City and Washington, D.C. and Los Angeles and Chicago and Houston and wherever. And what Russia has learned over these past couple of years, especially since, let's say, 2014 on, Russia has learned that the West can't be negotiated with, can't be reasoned with, and the West never keeps its word. And if you don't believe me, look at the history of the Minsk agreements. You know, look at the history of NATO saying, okay, we'll never expand past, you know, Berlin. We won't, we won't expand. We won't threaten Russia. We won't come to your doorstep. And now it's like, everybody's in. Come on in, Finland. You know, come on in. And NATO is expanding rapidly on purpose in order to provoke Russia, the Russian response, to this perceived existential threat. So this is the plan to force Russia into using nuclear weapons. Now, Russia could use fuel-air explosives or what's called thermobaric bombs. That is kind of the middle ground between artillery and nuclear weapons. But those thermobaric systems, I mean, they, they destroy personnel. Uh, I don't know if they have the range of the ICBMs. That's a question. But I believe that Russia has EMP weapons. Although I haven't seen any public confirmation that's official on that. I think it's a no-brainer that Russia has EMP weapons that could be detonated over Western Europe. Or over America, for that matter. And EMP weapons would instantly take Western Europe out of the fight. Without destroying or irradiating all of the Northern Hemisphere. Or, you know, or or even the countryside, the farmland, whatever, of Western Europe. The problem with EMP weapons is that if they take out the control systems for nuclear power plants, and there are still some nuke plants running in Western Europe, then those plants go into a meltdown, and then you have multiple you know, Chernobyls or Fukushimas taking place in the affected area. And then you're going to get a release of radiation anyway. So it's a bad scene if that happens. Uh, finally, I also want to mention that Russia has the Poseidon uh, underwater drones. Uh, what, do you, what do you call these things? These unmanned uh, little submarines that have 100 megaton warheads. I mean, that's the official number. Again, I'm told they're much larger than that, up to 200 megatons. And these can be undetected by the United States Navy. These unmanned nuclear drones can... Uh, they can cruise through the oceans at extreme depths, and they can then kind of hang out and hover at a predetermined location, such as off the East Coast. And then they're waiting for satellite signals, kind of ultra-low frequency signals, for detonation codes. And then they can detonate and unleash 200 megatons of nuclear force, which will push a massive amount of radioactive ocean water onto the coastline of any continent that is nearby. I mean, it's, it is a doomsday weapon. 
and uh, it, it has been officially announced in Russia, by the way, that those those Poseidon, I don't know if it's Poseidon or Poseidon 2, whatever they're called, that they've been officially uh, handed over to the Russian Navy, and they are in active deployment. So there you go. If the U.S. launches a counterattack against Russia in Ukraine and then essentially declares that, okay, this is no longer a proxy war, that we, the U.S., we are at war with Russia. This is World War III, and we, you know, NATO, the U.K. and, and Germany and so on, we're all at war with Russia. This is World War III. We're going to fight to the death, right? Once that becomes obvious, if you understand the doctrine, uh, Russia's war doctrine, which people like J.R. Nyquist have studied extensively, and I've interviewed him many times on this. Russia's war doctrine is similar to China's war doctrine. They share some common histories that, that are kind of interesting. But one of the principles of war doctrine that's shared by Russia and China is that once you know you're going into war, use your most powerful weapons first. This is called, or I've heard it called, the, the hammer protocol or the, the, the hammer theory. You don't kind of mess around at the edges. You, you hammer your enemy with your most formidable weapons immediately. And that Russia knows that the advantage in World War III, the advantage rests with whoever attacks first. In other words, there's an advantage in initiating the nuclear attack rather than retaliating against one. And unfortunately, what this means in game theory is that the United States can successfully force Russia into a position where Russia realizes that its best move is to immediately attack the West with overwhelming force by detonating multiple nuclear warheads over U.S. cities and detonating the Poseidon, you know, ocean-based nuclear drones and perhaps using EMP weapons or whatever else is in their playbook. In other words, there is no incentive for Russia to de-escalate. And even worse, by the way, the United States military, its leaders, not, not the rank and file people, but the leaders of the Pentagon, in my opinion, are treasonous criminals. And a lot of them, by the way, are, you know, LGBT, homosexuals, cross-dressers, transgenders now. Those are the ones that are getting promoted to the highest levels and they're being given and they're being given Q-level access to above-top-secret information, okay? And in order to get now to the highest levels in the American military, you have to cut off your penis or be taking hormones, be chemically castrated. You have to be a transgender or a homosexual or some kind of LGB person, and then you get the highest access. And it is my belief that once Russia launches its nuclear weapons against the United States, that the Pentagon will order a stand-down. There will be no response from the United States. There will not be a counterattack against Russia because the leaders of the Pentagon, they are here, they're working for Satan, and they are here to destroy America, culturally and militarily, and also economically, but that's a different topic. So we may be hit with nukes, and there might be nothing fired back at Russia. And that would be consistent with what Barack Obama and others want for America, is to see America completely destroyed, irradiated, to see the population of America reduced to under 100 million people by 2025. How do you get there? You get America nuked by an enemy, and then you just don't retaliate. See? See how kind of simple and evil that is? But that's what's in the works. So let's take a look at this New York City nuke uh, public service announcement to see what is their official advice if Russia nukes New York City. Check this out. It's, uh, it's amazing. Here we go. So there's been a nuclear attack. Don't ask me how or why. Just know that the big one has hit. Okay, so what do we do? There are three important steps that I want you to remember. Step one, get inside fast. You, your friends, your family, get inside. And no, staying in the car is not an option. You need to get into a building and move away from the windows. Step two, 
stay inside. Shut all doors and windows. Have a basement? Head there. If you don't have one, get as far into the middle of the building as possible. If you were outside after the blast, get clean immediately. Remove and bag all outer clothing to keep radioactive dust or ash away from your body. Step three, stay tuned. Follow media for more information. Don't forget to sign up for Notify NYC for official alerts and updates. And don't go outside until officials say it's safe. All right, you got all that? You got that? So, number one, get inside a building. Uh, what building is this girl talking about? Because if the New York area just got nuked by a 100-megaton Russian nuke, there's no buildings. I'm just telling you now. You know, get inside the building. Maybe, like, hide in the rubble could be. You know, what building is she talking about? Does she know? What happens in a nuclear war? Do these people have any idea? And by the way, what's the deal with this video being this fake green screen type of background and this woman being kind of placed in the scene? Do they have to make everything fake? Why can't she just walk on the street of New York and talk about this stuff? Why can't she be out in the real world? (laughs) It's like, why does all this stuff have to be fabricated in a theatrical green screen setting? You know, it's just more fakery. It's like Joe Biden's fake Oval Office soundstage setup, you know. But then the second point that she says is uh, once you get inside, you have to stay inside. Stay inside and go into the middle of your building, into the middle. Doesn't this sound like, you know, six feet distance? Or as comedian Jim Brewer is saying in, in his hilarious bit about the pandemic and COVID, he's got a song, Six Feet Safe. Five feet danger, six feet safe, five feet danger, right? Now you're supposed to somehow move to the middle of your apartment because in the middle it's safe. On on the edges, danger, danger. Don't don't get close to the wall. Stay in the middle of your tiny New York apartment. In the middle, it's fine. This the radiation can't reach the middle, I guess. This <laughs> Is this more science from Fauci? It's like, wear masks, six feet social distancing, and get in the middle of the room when a Russian nuke destroys your city. It's unreal. So get in the middle of the room, and then they say, get clean, remove all your outer clothing to keep radioactive dust away from your body. So you're supposed to get in the middle of the room and then get naked and then wash off and and take a shower. Uh... Where's the running water coming from in this scenario? I'm just curious because, you know, I'm a rational person and I'm thinking that if a nuclear bomb goes off in New York City, you're not going to have water pressure probably. You know why? Because the water pressure comes from either municipal water tanks, you know, water towers, or sometimes water tanks on the roofs of buildings so that there's gravity pressure. What do you think is going to happen to the water tanks on the roof of the buildings when the buildings are destroyed into rubble? So not only are you not going to have a building to go inside, you're not going to have water to shower with. And what is this about? Oh, remove your clothes, shower with you know shampoo or soap. Got to have soap. How come they don't mention iodine? You wonder that? There's no mention of iodine in this entire video. And it's the number one thing that you need to do to protect your thyroid from, you know, iodine-131 fallout, right? You, you got to have, have iodine. I mean, even uh, ready.gov, I think, talks about iodine. You know, the uh, NERC, the Nuclear Emergency Management Group, whatever it's called, they urge everybody who lives near nuclear power plants to have iodine, you know, for this very reason. But in this New York video, if there's a nuke, you need shampoo and soap, but not not iodine. And, you know, nothing that might actually work, uh, such as my uh, my invention, cesium eliminator, by the way. Um, but I don't know, we'll talk about that later. And then point number three, they say, follow media for information. Stay informed. You know, follow official media 
Let the city of New York tell you what to do next. And do not leave your building until officials tell you to. So now you're supposed to take advice from the same morons that neglected to tell you that your building was going to crumble and that there would be no running water and who also neglected to tell you to have some iodine and maybe have a bug out bag and maybe get out of the city because it's radioactive. So now they say, follow the media. What media are they talking about? What what broadcast is still going to be on? Do they think that they're going to have Wi-Fi after a Russian nuke destroys the city? It's like, dang, look at that rubble. How come Wi-Fi is not working? Get the Wi-Fi password. <laughs> is this is this what Democrats in New York think that a nuclear war is like? That you can just stay inside, like kind of like COVID, right? You notice the similarities there? Stay inside. Don't leave. Wait for government permission to leave. And, and shower and shampoo. I don't know what world they're living in, but they need to watch. What was that movie with uh, Ben Affleck and Morgan Freeman? You know, when the uh, the nuke went off. Oh, what was the name? Let me find that movie. Ah, okay, here it is. The Sum of All Fears. Yes, thank you. 2002. I looked it up. And that that's where Ben Affleck is playing Jack Ryan. And there was a nuclear weapon detonated at a football game in Baltimore, Maryland. There we go. It seems like modern New Yorkers need to watch that movie, The Sum of All Fears. You know, in fact, maybe we should let's find a trailer for that movie, because in 2002, the movie industry wasn't yet totally woke. And they were a little more willing to tell the truth about what happens in a nuclear war. Let's see if we can find a trailer and show it to you here. All right, take a look at this trailer here from The Sum of All Fears. Just a little snippet from it. Check this out. From the electrifying bestseller by Tom Clancy. The crate was put on a cargo freighter headed for the East Coast. What? And the producer of Clear and Present Danger and Patriot Games. It's Ryan! The bomb is in play! Where's the president now? They're taking him airborne. They think it might be the Russians. It wasn't the Russians. It adds up. You just don't like what it adds up to. If you strike against the Russians, you sacrifice your moral authority. We have reason to believe the bomb was the work of terrorists, not the Russians. Hit him. Mr. President, they're scrambling their fires. My orders are to get the right information to the people who make the decision. Put it in your report. And if you shut me out, your family and 25 million other families will be dead. The Sum of All Fears. Directed by Phil Alden Robinson. All right, what do you think about that trailer? They didn't really show the whole city getting nuked because that's not what happened. This was a nuke that went off in a football stadium. But the stadium, well, you know what? Let me show you a scene from the stadium. Okay, got all that? I mean, that's what Hollywood depicted a nuclear explosion would be like in 2002. And I guarantee you that nuke was probably only something like one megaton. Russia has a 100 megaton nukes. So, you know, add two orders of magnitude to that and then ask yourself, uh, what building am I going back into after that? You know, what? And the plumbing's going to work, and, and the media's going to work, and the internet's going to work, and everything's going to work, and I'm just supposed to stand in the middle of my apartment and wait for officials to tell me when it's safe to go outside. Who's dumb enough to believe that? <laughs> I mean, maybe some left-wing New Yorkers? Yeah, probably. You realize that they're all going to die if Russia nukes New York City, right? You realize they're dead. This is kind of like, remember that scene from Fight Club 
where the main character played by Brad Pitt says that, you know, the oxygen mask drops down when there's an emergency on the airplane. It's not designed to help you. It's just designed to get you high so that you remain calm as the accident is happening. That's kind of what this is, this New York City public service announcement. It's kind of like remain calm and wash off the radiation and then tune into the media and everything will work fine. Just wait for instructions. The reality is it will be, dare we say, what, a thousand times worse than Hiroshima? Because, Hiro well, maybe not a thousand, but something in that range. Hiroshima was a roughly 16 kiloton nuclear weapon. And remember, a thousand kilotons is one megaton. And then Russia has nukes that are a hundred megatons. So we're talking thousands of times more powerful. Now, a nuclear war is survivable, but not if you listen to the government's information, especially the New York City PSA. It's survivable if you have knowledge. And there's a free website that I've mentioned before. I'll plug it again here. It's called NuclearWarSurvivalSkills.com. And you can go there and you can download for free the entire book called Nuclear War Survival Skills. Which, which I have. It's a good book. You can also, through this website, you can buy the physical book on Amazon. And I, they, they earn a small commission. You know, this website, whoever put it together. You can also buy the PDF for download uh, available from that site for $24. Let's see. And there's a Kindle edition that's available as well. So let's see, where's the free one? All right, here it is. You got to go to the red download button on that page. And where's the red download button? Here it is. Okay. PDF download page, NWSS book. That's Nuclear War Survival Skills, 1999 edition, 100% free. Click that red button and you can download it for free. If you want to support that website, then you can buy it on Amazon from them. Just go there and click on their Amazon links and whatever. And uh, it's good to support that site. I'm really glad they put that up. So surviving a nuclear strike is possible, but you have to have a lot of knowledge about water filtration, about blast radius, uh, radiation exposure, also radiation exposure intensity versus time. So you can survive a high total slash aggregate exposure to radiation if it's spread out over time. But if the same dose of radiation strikes you in a short period of time, it can be fatal. Just like if you go out in the sun 100 days and you get a little bit of sun each day, you're fine. If you get 100 days worth of sunlight in two minutes, you're dead. Same thing's true with other types of radiation. So you need to know about blast radius. You need to know about soils contamination, food contamination, water contamination. And you need to also have a plan to get out, a bug out plan, and better yet, don't live in a city that's on Russia's target list. And those cities should be pretty obvious at this point. It's going to be New York City. It's going to be Washington, D.C. It'll be Norfolk, Virginia. You know, it'll be the nuclear mountain in Colorado and the nuclear silos in western Montana and so on. It'll be port cities like Houston and Los Angeles. And it'll be Seattle and Chicago and Miami. So if you live in one of those cities, you are in you know, the crosshairs of a nuclear strike, one more reason to get out of the city. But surviving just the radiation is not the end of this. You've got to be able to survive the collapse of civilization that follows. So this is where you need my free book, you know, Resilient Prepping. You can download that also for free, resilientprepping.com. Isn't it great to have all these free resources? I think it's awesome. You're going to need to be able to survive without electricity, without combustion engines, Without, you know, much of anything, no running water, no 911 emergency response, <laughs> You're not gonna, no groceries at the grocery store, no railroads delivering coal to the power plants. None of that stuff's going to function. It's just total collapse and chaos following a nuclear war with Russia. And remember, this is what Barack Obama wants for America. This is what Joe Biden would want if he had any clarity he's just a puppet right he doesn't know what's going on but without question the official new york city public service announcement is a 
you know, suicide instruction manual. Like, stand in the middle of the building and wait to die. <laughs> okay. A bunch of people are going to do that. You know, probably a bunch of people who are triple vaccinated, too. I guess the question is, what's going to kill them first? The vaccines or the Russian nukes? I don't know. I guess the Russian nuke suicide is faster, but the vaccine suicide is still going. And uh, you got the CDC out there saying everybody needs a fourth shot now. It's time for your fourth shot. Roll up your sleeve. The third shot didn't work for some reason, and the second shot didn't work, and the first shot stopped working. It's time for the fourth shot. And then there'll be a fifth and a sixth and so on. It's like, if you're still not dead, have a fifth shot. And if you're still not dead, try to survive this nuke. See how that goes for you. You do realize that one of the reasons to have stored food is because after the nuke, you'll be able to eat food that's not full of radiation. So for the subsequent years of producing crops, the food will be irradiated because of cesium-137. And remember, cesium-137 has a half-life of 29 years, so it takes three centuries, really, for the soils to be safe for farming. Even if you wait 29 years, uh, you've only eliminated half of the radiation in the soils. And don't forget that cesium-137 mimics potassium in plant physiology and human physiology. And if you eat food grown in contaminated soils or you drink milk, milk is a common, you know, it's a common substance that's contaminated after fallout. If you drink milk that comes from cows that ate contaminated grass because of the fallout, then the cows concentrate the cesium-137 into the milk. You drink the milk and the cesium gets incorporated into your body's cells. And then you become radioactive from that point forward. You are emitting cesium-137 radiation. And then your body has a half-life. I mean, that radioisotope is in your cells. It goes where potassium goes. And then you will be half as radioactive 29 years later if you survive that long, which is highly unlikely. And if you live another 29 years, you know, you'll be one-fourth as radioactive, you see. There's no way to detox that once you consume it and it gets incorporated into your body's cells. So having stored food means you'll be able to eat non-radioactive food. And having stored powdered milk means that you can filter water because you can filter out cesium-137 from water. Most of the gravity filters will filter it all out, by the way. I've done a lot of tests on that. You know, if it filters out other elements like lead, it's probably going to be very successful filtering out cesium. So a lot of these gravity filters like the Berkey filter and so on, they'll remove cesium-137. I can't tell you the exact amount, but if you go to my website, cesiumeliminator.com, you'll see some of the research that I did on this. And as you can see, um, my formula, which is patented, but uh, I'll tell you what it is, it... Um, it removes 95.44% of cesium from the digestive tract. And cesium eliminator is made from a combination of zeolites, uh, seawater extract, which is mostly magnesium, by the way, uh, dehydrated seaweed, Hawaiian spirulina, and chlorella uh, at specific particle sizes and ratios. So let me tell you this. If you, if you want to make this yourself, here's how you do it. Because we don't sell this. Uh, I've got, you may recall, I've mentioned I've got 10,000 kilos of this stored in a warehouse in Texas in case there's a nuke. I'd plan to, like, donate it, you know, to the Texas government or whoever, you know, try to save lives. <laughs> they they probably won't even accept it. They don't even know what it is. But the point is I, I've got 10,000 kilos, okay? And you combine zeolites with a magnesium powder and some microalgae. And there you go. And that will bind up big time with cesium-137 that you might get in food or milk or water. And you'll pass the cesium through your digestive tract without absorbing it into your blood, most of it. So you'll defecate it out. Now, you will be radioactive while it's in your digestive tract. So you're going to get some radiation poisoning. But you're going to poop out eventually, hopefully, 
and then that radiation goes out with the bowel movement, and it doesn't become part of your tissues, okay? So that's what cesium eliminator is all about. I do not recommend that you take zeolites on a regular daily basis because they're very, very high in aluminum, aluminosilicates, which is what creates zeolites, by the way. So I'm not advocating zeolites as a daily supplement, but in a post-nuke environment, oh, heck yes. I would I would put spoonfuls into, uh, you know, smoothies or whatever and, and – at, the, at that point, you don't care about the aluminum so much. You're just trying not to die from radiation. So there you go, cesiumeliminator.com is some of my science work that you might not have known about. I don't know. So if you have that plus iodine, you're in pretty good shape to minimize your exposure, minimize damage to your thyroid, and then get out of Dodge. Don't stand in the middle of the rubble like the public service announcement stand in the rubble and wait for instructions no get out of dodge man get your go bag and go create distance remember the inverse square rule of radiation right if you double your distance your exposure to the radiation goes down by a factor of four right if you triple your distance it goes down by a factor of nine right it's the inverse square rule learn the physics of this because it's it's critical you just get a little distance away, even five miles, your radiation exposure can really plummet and it can take you out of the fatal zone into the, hey, I can survive this zone. Or better yet, don't live in the city in the first place. You know, get out now because if there was ever a time to think about strategic relocation, this is it. <laughs> the, the US, the Biden regime, Barack Obama, they're trying to get Russia to nuke us. And the targets of the nukes are pretty well known. It's military targets, military bases, and Washington, D.C., New York City, the cities that, that power America's economy. There you go. That's what's going to get hit. And to survive it, you're going to need a lot of food. You're going to need backup communications. You know, I'll plug the satellite phone store here because it makes perfect sense. You know, you'll be able to send and receive two-way text messages using the satellites if you have the bivy stick. Because all the cell towers are going to be down. The power grid is going to be just gone. The trains won't be running. If you want to reach anybody, you need a bivy stick. Just go to sat123.com. That's our sponsor on that. And they can set you up with the bivy stick, two-way satellite text messaging device. They're awesome. I just set up a friend recently with one. And I mentioned it the other day. He's, he's blown away. He loves it. He's like, wow, I can do that. I can text from anywhere out in nature. Yep. You sure can. You're going to need that to know about your loved ones. You're going to need that to communicate. Remember, you can text. Let's say that you're in New York City, but you have a family member. Let's say you have a child or a parent that lives in, I don't know, let's, let's say Kansas. I was just there recently. Let's say they're in Wichita, Kansas. Okay. Well, Wichita doesn't get nuked, but New York City does get nuked. But let's say you're on the edges of the city. You survive the nuke. And you need to text your family member in Wichita to say, hey, I'm not dead. Well, the bivy stick will allow you to do that because you can send to anybody's cell phone using satellites. Even if your local power grid is just gone and you have no cell service locally. You have the bivy stick. It's very portable. You know, you pull it out, turn on your, your phone, Bluetooth sync. Boom, you send a message and your family members in Wichita are like, wow. Wow, they're still alive. That's amazing. Good thing they had satellite comms, right? Anyway, sat123.com to get one of those. And then when you're bugging out, you're going to need to defend yourself. And that's where my recent video that I just showed you earlier, the folding rifle or folding pistol video, shows you that one from Shield Arms that you can put that in a backpack because it folds. So it doesn't look like you're walking around with a rifle all, all day, right? It's a folding rifle. You can unfold it when you need it. You can fold it back up and kind of hide it in a backpack or something when you don't want to look like you're carrying a rifle around. Well, it's, it, technically it's a pistol with an arm brace. If you're living in a city or near a city, even the suburbs, and you don't yet have firearms to help you get out, you know, to defend yourself from carjackings even or just being assaulted on foot, uh, you need to get squared away. Get squared away on that. Get your training you're going to need a good handgun. 
you know, a good Glock, a good SIG, a good M&P, whatever's your favorite brand, and you're going to need, I, I think you're going to need some kind of rifle or pistol configuration that is an AR-15 style weapon system. And then you might have a, a chance, you know, to be able to maneuver and, and escape, you know, get out of the radiation zone. And be sure to have your iodine, be sure to have your emergency first aid. You're going to need a lot of help to survive that, and you're going to need some recovery time. So surviving a nuclear strike is possible. And, of course, the farther away you are from the detonation point, ground zero, uh, the, the higher your chances of surviving the radiation. But then you're still going to have to survive the societal collapse. So, you know, there you go. All the other things that we've been talking about. What's your money source at that point? Do you have some junk silver coins? Do you have uh, silver rounds? Do you have some gold that you could take with you? You know, What's your money at that point? Because credit cards won't be working. I mean, it'd be funny if the New York City PSA said, you know, tune in to the official media and uh, use your credit card for all purchases. Like, what are you talking about? Credit cards require a telecommunications infrastructure to function. And even on a good day, the food stamp system breaks down all the time. And the FBI's gun background check system breaks down all the time. You know, just the other day, Canada lost all credit card processing for most of the day. And that's that's when there's not a nuke. When there is a nuke, do you think credit cards are going to, you think ATMs are going to function? No, they're not. You're going to need cash. You're going to need coins. You're going to need ammo. You're going to need comms. You're going to need, you know, I mean, just go down the list, folks. Hey, check out my website, prepwithmike.com. I put a lot of prepping videos there that might be helpful to you in preparing for this. If you haven't already seen them, I think you'll find them very valuable. I'm just glad that I don't live near a major city. Now, yeah, Houston is probably going to get nuked if this thing escalates. And uh, that's bad for everybody in Texas. But I've got radiation meters. Some of them were made in Russia, by the way. <laughs> really high-quality radiation detectors made in Russia. But I've got those, and I, I know how to survive this. And, I, you know, and I've got my dehydrated red miso soup powder and yellow miso. Remember, miso soup was used after Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I've got my iodine. I've got, you know, backup medical supplies, stored food that's not radioactive. I've got stored powdered milk. And, you know, we, we sell that at the Health Ranger store, powdered milk that's certified organic. That's going to be impossible to get. <laughs> I mean, maybe even if we're not nuked, the way things are going with the food supply chain. But get yourself some powdered milk, you know. I don't know if we have it in stock. You can check our, our store, healthrangerstore.com. We might have some. We might have iodine. We might not. I don't know. I should probably check <laughs> before I record this, but I don't know what we have in stock on, at any given moment. I know we have number 10 cans with the freeze-dried fruits so you can get your vitamin C because a lot of the stored food, you know, lacks vitamin C. So you can get freeze-dried mangoes and blueberries and strawberries and all kinds of things like that that are super delicious and very healthy as well. Okay, to wrap this up, a couple other important points. All trains in America could stop running by July 18th due to a labor strike that's being threatened by the railroad workers. So in just a few days, yeah, might not be any trains. Uh, let's hope that doesn't happen, because if that happens, I don't know how we get coal to the power plants. I don't know how we get you know fuel and fertilizer distributed and any of that. That doesn't seem like a good situation. Freightwaves.com is reporting more container disruptions at the Long Beach port. Apparently, the backlog of containers is starting to rise again. And then July 22nd is the doomsday day for Western Europe. That's the day that Russia is supposed to turn back on the Nord Stream 1 pipeline that has been shut down for routine maintenance. It was shut down, what, two days ago? Yeah, that's right. Natural gas through the Nord Stream 1 pipeline has gone to zero. There is no gas transiting that pipeline. And Russia, I believe, is going to find a reason to delay turning this back on. So my guess is that on July 22nd, we're not going to have a resumption of gas flow in Nord Stream 1. That's my guess. And I don't know how long that's going to last, but I would imagine it's going to be delayed could be from a few days to a few weeks, even a few months. 
maybe strategically Putin is saying, hey, the easiest way to destroy my enemy, which in his point of view is NATO and the West, is to just cut off their energy and watch them collapse. I mean, he's not strategically wrong about that. And he is a strategic thinker. So why would he provide gas to his enemies? It doesn't even make sense. <laughs> why would you sell energy sources to the very enemy that's trying to destroy you and wipe you off the face of this planet? So I think they'll find a reason not to turn it back on. And I, I'm guessing the reason that they're going to say publicly is that, oh, we can't get the parts we need because, well, we've been shut out of the SWIFT system. And so we're having trouble buying spare parts and replacement parts and maintenance parts and whatever. And that way they can blame the West for Russia not being able to turn back on the Nord Stream 1 pipeline. You know, they already have a situation like this with a different pipeline with that Siemens part coming out of Canada. I think they're going to basically run the same strategy. But we'll see. We'll see. If the gas comes back on on July 22nd for Western Europe, that, that's a good day for Western Europe. If it doesn't come on, Western Europe is going to freak out. The euro will continue to collapse compared to the dollar. And you're going to see more money fleeing to the dollar, which means the dollar will rise in value globally, which means gold will get even cheaper, you know, compared to the dollar. So gold could go down considerably on this compared to the dollar. Doesn't mean that, you know, if you already bought gold, in my view, it's not worth less. It's, it's still gold. It's still the ounces. It still has its own intrinsic value. And gold versus the euro is actually doing extraordinarily well. It's just that the dollar is the last safe haven, so to speak. I, I talked about this yesterday. People are fleeing out of the euro into the dollar, giving the dollar unusual strength that's also short term. But the euro is looking like disastrous. It's it's on par with the dollar now, like one euro to one dollar, and it's probably going to continue to fall. You know, before long, you have to spend like 120 euros to get a hundred dollars, something like that, or maybe even worse. The euro is going to collapse. I mean, that's not difficult to see. So the bottom line in all this, folks, is stay on track with your preparedness, stay informed. Download that Nuclear War Survival Skills book that I mentioned. That's the website, nuclearwarsurvivalskills.com. Download my Resilient Prepping ebook and uh, audiobook if you haven't already. Just download that. Get those files locally on your computer. And prepare to break out all your, your hand-cranked gear. And remember, recently I saw this hand-cranked corn husker, or whatever it is, corn kernel harvester, that got me all excited, you know, I sure wish I could get one of those. So awesome. Big flywheel hand crank. You just feed corn into it, you know, shucked corn. I believe it has to be dried kernels and you just feed it into it. Boom. You get corn kernels, man. And you don't even need electricity. There's no software, <laughs> no updates, no rebooting, no electronics. I mean, it, it's just iron and, and, and a wheel. <laughs> with a crank on it. Uh, you're going to wish you had a bunch of stuff like that. Probably. Pretty soon. But just remember, every investment that you are making right now in your own skills, in your own knowledge, every investment is going to pay off big time. When you invest in growing food, or you invest in your own irrigation system, let's say, or you invest in garden seeds, or you invest in the right firearm or ammo or training with that, or you invest in the time in reading the nuclear war survival book, whatever. These investments are going to pay off huge. So do not be distracted by, I don't know, detractors or naysayers or family or friends or anybody who's like, what are you so worried about, man? Um, while New York City is putting out what to do if you get nuked videos. <laughs> do not be distracted. If you're following along here, and learning and expanding your knowledge and expanding your application, you are going to get a huge payoff and you're going to make it and you're going to be able to help rebuild this country even if we get nuked. We might not have New York City any longer. We won't have Washington, D.C. If the swamp gets nuked, I mean, 
it's going to be a very different country after that. Use your imagination of what that might be. You'll get to help rebuild it just by surviving. So that's my podcast for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all your support. If you want to support our store, it's healthrangerstore.com, of course. And also be sure to watch brighton.tv. Excellent shows there each day, Monday through Friday. Check out brightonradio.com. And in addition, don't forget we have brighton.tv in Espanol. So that's a wrap on everything. God bless you. Thank you for all your support. I'll be with you tomorrow with more updates. God bless America. Let's, let's work together to get through this. Take care. A global reset is coming. And that's why I've recorded a new nine-hour audiobook. It's called The Global Reset Survival Guide. You can download it for free by subscribing to the naturalnews.com email newsletter, which is also free. I'll describe how the monetary system fails. I also cover emergency medicine and first aid and what to buy to help you avoid infections. So download this guide. It's free. It's my gift to you simply because I want like-minded people to survive. 